You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here with the Locked On Nationals podcast. It is June 13th, 2021. And on today's show, we take a look back at the Washington Nationals weekend series with the San Francisco Giants. I was there for the Saturday uh, second game and the Sunday game. We'll break it all down next on today's show. All right, so the Nationals played a four-game set this weekend with the San Francisco Giants. We would have had a show on Friday discussing the first game, but it got pushed back to uh, to Thursday's game went to Friday. So, you know, there was no show, and then we had a doubleheader on Saturday, which started in the afternoon. So really no time to do a show. Best wait until the end of the series. And boy, do we have a whole lot to talk about. So we'll go chronologically through and kind of hit things because there were some themes that came up throughout the weekend. First, we start off with the Nationals' one nothing loss on Friday night. Now, the big story in this game was Max Scherzer going down with a groin injury. You could tell it was lower body from the beginning. You could tell he's trying to stretch it out. He threw one practice pitch in the middle of the inning after it looked like he'd been aggravated. And then, you know, he, he was he was okay. So, you know, it showed up that he was, he was all right. So, um, Max Scherzer is trying to avoid the IL, but he admits – that it might be needed. This is according to Mark Zuckerman over at Masson. He says, quote, Max Scherzer hopes to make his next scheduled start. The Nationals ace admitted today he'll need to be able to complete bullpen sessions on Monday without being too restricted by his tweak uh, in the groin muscle and uh, in order to have, uh, avoid a short stand on the injured list. He says, quote, that I can definitely say I have to be able to throw a bullpen tomorrow if I'm going to make the next start, end quote. So he's got to do that. And for any, any of you people who watched the NBA playoffs and saw Anthony Davis work through his groin injury, it's pretty obvious that, look, some of these things, and this is also from what I heard uh, one doctor say discussing Anthony Davis's injury, he said the big deal is this. He says, you know, it, it's just, it takes time. Like, you just have to recoup. Like, there's nothing you can do to get a groin more ready. Uh, you have to let it rest, and hopefully your mobility that you need is there. He was long tossing today during the uh, before the game so and I think that went okay but really what's going to matter most to Max Scherzer is that bullpen that he throws Monday so that is one that's kind of a news note number one number two is that Nats reliever Daniel Hudson is going on the IL or he is on the IL and this was because of inflammation in his right elbow so it, uh, this is from Chelsea Janes over the Washington Post is quote a day after they watched Max Scherzer walk off the mound, throwing tw- just 12 pitches, hours before their doubleheader, an uncertain pitching plan for game two. The Nationals plays bullpen stalwart Daniel Hudson on a 10-day injured list with right elbow inflammation. Now, Hudson has had two Tommy John surgeries before. Um, he has an MRI that revealed no structural damage, just inflammation to the back part of his elbow. And he also, you know, he... He threw like, what was it? 34 pitches the other night uh, against the Rays. And so for him, you know, this is not something that is uncommon, right? The Nationals had a bunch of guys go down. Uh, obviously, Wander Suero, Luis Avilon's out for the year. Suero came back. Daniel Hudson now, Will Harris too. So what we thought was going to be a, a strong suit with guys, you know, the guys that we thought would be the strong suits, um, not there, right? Or having to deal with some injuries. Now, that being said, it kind of leads us into the game 
itself and the Nationals lose one nothing, which is completely unacceptable. And I know Anthony DiSclavani was really good in this game. He's spectacular even. But when you lose Scherzer and then your bullpen comes in, Paulo Espino, Kyle McGowan, Wander Suero, Ryan Harper, and Sam Clay, and give you eight and two-thirds innings of relief, and they give you one run, four hits, 10 Ks. I mean, it's that's I mean, you gotta support that. You've gotta be able to back that group up. Espino, three and a third, three hits, one earned run off of a home run, five Ks, but that's great work considering he did not think he was going to be in that spot. Now I know long guys, that's kind of what they have to do, but that Buster Posey home run should not have been the end of the day for the Nationals, and it was. Uh, the Nats put only one uh, one runner in scoring position. They left one runner on base the entire game and did not mount any sustained offense. Uh, and look, these Clavani deserves a lot of credit, but uh, Bell and Turner, the only two guys who got hits, the rest of the lineup went over. These Clavani, nine innings, eight Ks, two hits, one walk. Once again, all credit to him, but the Nationals, it, it shouldn't be 0-0, zero, zero, uh, or 1-0 rather, and it kind of goes moving forward too, right, in their, in their second Saturday game, which we'll get to you know, in one moment here, but offense was a problem for them all weekend save one game, uh, the Sunday finale, and this has been a story that has repeated itself continuously. So what a great job from the pen stepping up to see also the names like McGowan, Suero, Harper, Clay, Espino, not the prime guys, right? Maybe even Swero, I, I could call prime guy because of the usage rating that he has. But the guy, the guys are kind of those non-prime bullpen, top-end guys. To see them perform like that, um, that's encouraging. But, I mean, a night like that where your, your big ace goes down, your bullpen carries the weight, you got to back that up. And the Nationals did it in a very impressive way. And I say impressive, I mean it uh, in, a, in a bad sense. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll hit that doubleheader the Nationals had on Saturday due to the Thursday rainout. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Wealthfront. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and actually make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data shows that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every single year. In fact, only 1% of day traders actually beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone, so you should team up with Wealthfront. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash MLB. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash MLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H. F-R-O-N-T dot com slash locked on MLB to start growing your wealth today. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB to get started today. All right, uh, let's get to the two Saturday games. They had two seven inning games for the Nationals. They come up uh, with a win in the first game. They should have come up with a win in both of these games. Um, two nothing win for the Nationals. It was Kevin Gosman going up against Eric Fetty. Eric Fetty, a fantastic five-inning start in his first start back for the situation that he was in. First start back, right? Five innings pitched, four hits, seven Ks. That's a sublime performance 
from Eric Fetty in, in terms of the spot, the situation, uh, you know, where they needed him, you know, having to start push back a bunch to have him come back and that start. That's what the Nationals needed. He got it done. Uh, and, you know, no walks also, too. So he was pounding the strike zone. He was on it. And then also Kyle Finnegan and Brad Hand getting the job done for the Nationals. But Kevin Gaussman, the Giants' ace, they get to him. He goes four innings. He went three hits, two runs, two earned runs, uh, four Ks, two walks, and a home run. The way the Nationals got this thing done uh, in, in that game was Kyle Schwarber, a home run, something that you're here again. And then Josh Harrison doubles in Juan Soto in the fourth inning. So I like the fact that, you know, we talked about sustained offense. This is not um, great sustained offense, but it's scoring at multiple points of the game, early in the game, then kind of middle to late of the game because it's a seven-inning game. You know, fourth inning is more equivalent to like a sixth inning, right, for a nine-inning game. So um, the fact that they're able to get that that extra run in a game that was really close and low scoring, I thought that was important. Not a lot of offense in the series. Uh, and I had to listen to Moses' game in the car because I was on the way to the uh, I was on the way to the stadium. But for Eric Fetty, you know, with the way that Charlie and Dave were talking about him, pounding the strike zone and also the Nats with enough situational hitting, get this one done 2-0. All right, so I was at Nats Park uh, for the Saturday night game and the Sunday game. So Saturday night game was there. A lot of questions about who would be pitching for both teams uh, between the Giants and Nats at this point, split the series. And for the Nats, it was Jeffrey Rodriguez, something that we, I don't think anybody thought that we'd see. His contract was select uh, selected. He went up against Connor Menez. So this was a matchup that, once again, nobody thought we would see. Rodriguez goes four innings, three Ks, or two Ks rather, three walks, one hit but scoreless. And that's the important part, scoreless. Command was not great. He was all over the place, got good velocity, but struggled with command of both the fastball and the breaking ball too. So, uh, you know, despite that, he did a very good job. The bullpen did their job as well, I thought, for the most part. But the issue that I had is that Kyle Finnegan uh, comes in and they, they, in my opinion, left him in way too long. I also didn't like the fact that they left, they, they brought him into the game and, uh, I mean, they brought him into the game and he had just pitched earlier in the day, right? He had pitched, uh, what was it? Let's see, 16 pitches earlier in the day. They had him throw 26. I thought they should have yanked him a lot earlier in the game. And so he ends up throwing, all told, 42 pitches across two separate outings on on Saturday. And I thought, I know their bullpen was taxed, but in my opinion, I mean, 42 pitches, they could have gone with somebody else last night that we had not seen at that point, but I guess they felt like they had to stick with him. And so he throws 26 pitches. He gets tagged for two runs. Uh, this game was scoreless up until the eighth. Now, I will say the Nationals pitching did a, did do a good job of working with guys uh, in scoring position or at least, you know, runners on base all game because uh, they ended up walking a total of six guys, right? So with the six guys, three hits, nine batters, and, and – um, with runners scoring position, though, the Giants did not do a very good job. They were two for twelve. They left nine guys on base. A lot of that did some. You know, some of that did come later on in the game uh, as well. But for the Giants, the fact that it was only two runs is pretty impressive. Kyle McGowan did, you know, not start working his way out, but uh, Ryan Harper finishing the job there, uh, stranding the runners later in that game when the, it looked like the Giants were going to make it more than two nothing. Right? They they add both runs in that final inning uh, in the eighth. And then my big issue was coming into the ninth inning. And by the way, the way which Giants, the Giants scored in this game uh, was immediately Lamont Wade Jr. singles 
and scores Casale, and then Flores singled uh, to left, and uh, that scored um, uh, Wade Jr. So at that point, they have bases loaded, and the Nationals are able to work their way out of that. So it's good pitching, especially by Ryan Harper, to work his way out of that jam. Now, here is where the issues come in. You're in the ninth, you're in the eighth inning, and for those of you who didn't see it, uh, you know, this is what happened. Starlin Castro doubles, Jan Gomes scores because he is the runner on on, on a, a second base, right? Eighth inning here, seventh inning ball game, extra innings. All right, so then Victor Robles is able to work a walk. So you've got runners on first and second with nobody out. What happens then? Well, Josh Bell hits a fly ball to right field, deep enough to right field that it moves over Stalin Castro. He's able to move in there easily. This would have flipped the Nationals to the top of the order if Victor Robles had stayed at first. It would have been first and third, one out, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, both coming up to the plate. That is the situation it would have been. Except Victor Robles decided to get greedy and try to grab second. And, I mean, I thought he got thrown out before he got there, um, but he flew past second base and then had to basically run to third because the, uh, the second baseman had the ball. And he eventually gets tagged out because Stalin Castro is like, I'm not moving off third. So there's two outs there. And then Trey Turner pops out. We'll talk about Trey in a second. But it was horrible base running. Dave Martinez acknowledged it and said, hey, yeah, you know, he's just trying to make a play for his team. This is not the first time that we've seen Victor Robles go out of his way and make a really boneheaded decision. And you could argue that the Nationals split four games this weekend because of Victor Robles' boneheaded base running. There's no other way to put that. I mean, this was a game that they were in prime position to tie. And I think between the um, between the Friday game and this Saturday game, those two close games where the offense was horrible, they should win at least one of those. Uh, they really should with the pitching performances they got. There's no reason they shouldn't have been able to win at least one of those two games and take three from a Giants team that, candidly, while they pitched pretty well, um, they were not worth very much at the plate. They scored three runs all series and won two of the games. That's a that's a big problem. Uh, the Nationals scored eight and won two. And I still know it's a lot, not a lot of offense, but you're doubling up your opponent in that situation. You should be able to, to outdo them. And at that point, Trey uh, popped out, and that was that. So we know it's Victor Robles. It's, it's an issue he's had before. And I get Dave Martinez saying, look, he's trying to make a play to help his team win. But that that doesn't cut it at, at, at this level. You know, the guy trying to help the team win. Yeah, everybody's trying to help the team win. And uh, his repeated mistakes, you know, it's tiresome. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be happening. He, and Bob Henley didn't send him. He sent himself, right? Uh, that, that, was, that, was, that was Victor Robles' decision. So, you know, nobody deserves blame but him. And look, he's an everyday center fielder. There, there's nobody else who's going to play out there. And because of that, he's got to be better. Uh, he's got to be better. He cost his team a chance to tie a game. Uh, the best two hitters at the plate cost them a chance to at least tie the game. Could have been more, depending on what happened. And I, I think, you know, Trey's a bat, although it wasn't great. You could argue it goes a bit differently if he's not pressing as much with two outs as opposed to one, right? A fly ball doesn't just get it done there. you got to get something in the gap. Or you got to get a base hit at least uh, to score a run in that spot. So uh, Trey, you know, he's been a little off lately. Now, he, he was good in that first game, two for three, but he's had a couple games as of late. You know, he had an 0 for 5 the other day against the Rays, a 1 for 4 in the first game of this series and then 0 for 4 today. And so that's not really the trade that we're accustomed to seeing. Um, and he was on a nice little hitting streak to start off the month. I believe he ran into about eight or nine games. But it got broken up by, by a couple pretty bad outings. And 
Look, it's not like he's had a bad month, right? You know, he's not slumping completely. But uh, this was not his best performance. It's 0 for 4, excuse me, the second game of the doubleheader. In the, uh, so it's 0 for 4 in that game. And then today, in the final game of the series, I think he went 0 for 4, 0 for 5. I have to double check that's not up on ESPN's, um, he's on ESPN's thing right now. I have no idea why. Uh, they, they should be able to add those stats pretty quickly. But Trey goes 0 for 4 today, right? So, uh, you know, that's 0 for his last 8. Right, and then you add in a couple games ago, the 0 for 5. So, not his best. Not, I mean, once again, he's still hitting like what 299 this year. So, uh, not a whole lot to be worried about. But for Trey, little dip in quality because he was red hot earlier on in the season. But not, not, not really anything to be too concerned about. I'd say from that perspective. So that means the Nationals head into Sunday's game with a chance to even the series and split it. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, one more word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you protein bar out there right now. They've got nine delicious flavors, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, as well as 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories per bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com today. Once again, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the best place to find all of your sports gambling needs, people. They've got MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, UFC, uh, Bellator, PFL, odds, props, futures, whatever you want. They've got it there at betonline.ag. Go to your laptop, your mobile device, your tablet, whatever it is. Go to BetOnline right now, make an account. Use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On. Promo code Locked On will get you a 50% deposit bonus. So if you deposit $100, extra $50 to play with today at betonline.ag. Once again, promo code Locked On. All right, so the Sunday game. I was there today for that one. It went a lot better. Let's start with the hitting. And I want to start with the hitting because um, as good as Joe Ross was, let's just get this part out of the way because it's a bit quicker. This is what we're talking about. Early offense, right? Early, consistent offense. Um, you know, Maybe not the rest of the way for the Nationals, but scoring in three separate innings is what we like to see, right? Putting pressure early on Johnny Cueto. And they got it because Kyle Schwarber hit a home run. Uh, he hit a home run in that leadoff spot to start the game today. That was the first one that he had. The Nationals put some traffic on the base paths in the second inning. Kyle Schwarber gets up again. Uh, Alex Avila reaches on an infield single. Um, Victor Robles sacrifice and then reaches on an error, which is pretty nice to see. Um, and then they get a three-run home run from Kyle Schwarber. So and he, he hit this one fastball up that he hit off the uh, top deck, which I thought was was well, – it was second deck of right center field, hit it off like the facade, the front, the face. Um, and he really just ripped that ball. 4 nothing lead. You felt really good about the Nationals at that point, especially seeing how anemic the the Giants offense had been. And the Nationals added one more with a Castro double to center that scored Josh Harrison in the bottom of the fifth, <clears throat> excuse me, of the fifth inning. So it's 5-0 there and no runs, ha- nothing happened the rest of the game. Do you know why, why nothing happened the rest of the game, at least on the uh, the Giants' side, the hitting side? Because Joe Ross had the best start of his career. Our buddy Matt Weirich tweeted it out today. He is the first 
pitcher on the, on the Nationals this year to go eight shot innings. This is the first eight shutout innings that he's thrown of his career. Joe Ross, eight innings, five hits, nine Ks, no walks, 108 pitches today. Joe Ross was fantastic. He was on it today. He was pounding the strike zone. Um, did not give a lot of opportunities for the Giants. It felt like their hits were pretty sporadic. Later in the game, we got a couple base runners at one point, but still, Joe Ross worked his way in and out of this lineup. And when it started to rain and his pitch count got high, he dialed in. He got, you know, the strikeout numbers at the end of the game, too. It was there. Velocity was pretty good the entire game. And so, if they're going to be missing Scherzer and Strasburg and they want any chance of keeping somewhat of a competitive team right now, what they have to do, and absolutely mean they absolutely have to do is they're going to need some more starts like this. I know it sounds extreme, but because their offense has not been consistent enough, and the only way that they really remain you know, competitive is through their pitching oftentimes, they're going to need some more. I'm not saying eight innings of, uh, of no-run ball, but they're going to need some seven innings, you know, one run, uh, six, you know, six inning shutouts, five inning shutouts like Eric Fetty threw yesterday in his first start back. They're going to need more of that. Fetty and Ross are now, I'd say, I mean, not, you know, with, without Strasburg and Scherzer, their best two pitchers right now are Joe Ross and Eric Fetty. Um, I, I know you'd somebody say, hey, John Lester, but no, I mean, on, on a game-to-game basis, in my opinion, the best pitchers they have right now going are Joe Ross and Eric Fetty. Patrick Corbin has been nowhere near consistent enough. Eric Fetty and Joe Ross have actually been more, you know, not, it's not much more, but they've, they have been more consistent. So if they're going to pick up any slack, I know it might be for a shorter period of time, but those guys need to build off those two big starts they made because the Nationals picked up wins when Joe Ross and Eric Fetty pitched well, and those two guys they're going to need uh, to continue to pitch as well as they have recently, especially they lose a guy like Austin Voth who could have been moved in one of those spots. Um, Ross and Fetty are going to need to deliver. And also they're going to have to figure out who that next starter is going to be. Are they going to have to keep a, uh, a Jeffrey Rodriguez you know, kind of nearby? And let me just read something here from Jesse Doherty over uh, the Washington Post. He says the Nationals allowed three earned runs this weekend, and aside from two batters from Max Scherzer, had all innings covered by guys not named Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, or Lester. So three earned runs over the course of Friday through set, uh, through Sunday here, and uh, they allowed three earned runs the entire time. Now, that kind of leads us to the next part of this, is that their offense, man, their offense, man, their offense. He says, and of course, the series split doesn't reflect well on a still inconsistent offense. But you have to appreciate the lift from Joe Ross and Eric Fetty, Jeffy Rodriguez, and a whole lot of relievers. Also, yes, it is technically two earned runs because of the auto runner last night semantics. So, actually, technically, it was two earned runs. Um, but, they, you know, let's just say three runs total, right, across the board this weekend, for the Nationals, that tweet was uh, was from our friend Jesse Doherty over there at the Washington Post. So the Nationals get a split of the series this weekend. Unfortunately, the Mets win two of three uh, against the Padres, so they don't get any closer than Nats don't to the top of the division. Right now, they sit at 27 and 35. They're seven and a half games back, uh, half game back of the Marlins. They are two two and a half back of the Braves. They are four and a half back of the Phillies, and they are uh, seven and a half back, as I mentioned, of the New York Mets. The Nationals in the wild card hunt, uh, they are nine games back of the wild card hunt, so they are much further out in that department right now. 
And I think the considerations we have to make with Scherzer potentially missing time, with Strasburg now, and I forgot to mention this piece of news, though, but uh, Dave Martinez said he's going to have to see a specialist. Mentioned that the other day, thought that was the situation that we were going to see. Um, but, you know, that is the situation we're going to see, right? They basically mentioned it as a formality. Now he's going to go and see a specialist. So that caveat is in there, too. Uh, the Nationals are going to have to start making some decisions about how they want to go. And I saw something today. It said to reach um, to reach 87 wins this year, the Nationals are going to have to play because right now they're at 62 games, right? So they got 100 left. So they would need to go um, 60 and 40 right now to reach 87 wins. Whether 87 wins makes the playoffs or not, I don't know. I said the Nats will win probably 85 to 87 this year. That was the range I gave. But, yeah, for the Nats to win uh, 87 games this year, they would need to go crazy there at, at 60 and 40 um, the rest of the way, right, the next uh, next 100 games. So they need to be 20 games over 500 to get to that 87 win mark. And then conversely, you know, if, if you wanted to really stretch it and you wanted to say, hey, what would it take the Nats to get like 93 wins, right, at this point in time? Well, you would up it a lot more, right? They, they need to go at that point 66 and let's see, doing quick math in my head, 33. So at 66 and 33, um, this team would put themselves at 93 wins. You'd be asking a lot for this group to go and do that. But that's what it might take to go to the playoffs. So I just kind of wanted to put it into context for you all, what, what it's going to take to make the playoffs right now. Because, um, you know, the wild card standings, I mean, the teams ahead of them are the Marlins, the Braves, Cardinals, Phillies, Reds, Padres, Cubs. And also the Dodgers. So all of those teams sit between the Nationals and a wild card playoff spot. Can they make a run and win the division? Yeah, but they if, if they're going to have Fetty and Ross and Patrick Corbin has not been great, and then um, John Lester too, and you know, does Jeffrey Rodriguez have to make another start for the Nationals? Right, as, as fun it was, you know, fun as it was, good to see. Um, now Austin both take on that spot, something that he's actually done before, right? For them to deal with that, like, I don't know what, the, I mean, you know, I, I think I think on this show we're going to have maybe have some conversations about guys that they should consider moving. Now, I'm not there yet. This team is not there yet. The good news is they've got four games, come, or three games rather, coming up here with the, the, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, like I said, this homestand right now, they got to kick it into gear. And, um, you know, they should have won three this weekend. If they had any offense at all, I guess the problem is here they don't. But they've got three against the Pirates and four against the New York Mets next weekend. If they can make some headway and then split with the Mets, you know, if they, let's just say they get a sweep, they go five and two in the next seven games split with the Mets, that's great positioning. That's a good job. You're starting to move in the positive direction. But they need to get going. They need to go in a hurry, right? It starts right now for them. I've been saying that for a while. You know, this is – you, you can deal with the giant split, right? I mean, you should have gotten better results, you can, but you can deal with the split if you if you sweep a team like the Pirates. Now, what I'll say is, too, the Nationals have done a good job against those kinds of teams earlier on in the season, right? They got a sweep of the Orioles. Uh, you know, they got a sweep of the Marlins. So teams that are kind of those lower-tier teams, the Nationals do have the ability to perform better against, and the Pirates are one of the worst teams in baseball. So I think the Nationals can go out there looking for a sweep. We'll preview that full series uh, tomorrow and discuss their games coming up. That'll do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. And as always, until next time, my friends, stay safe.